welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 65 in the series, Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 31st of July, 2011, entitled, True Saving Faith, Part 3. And the Bible reading is taken from Matthew, Chapter 7, Verses 13 to 29. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to open your Bibles this morning, again, to the uh, Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 7, And as we continue in our series there this morning, of course, our overall series on contending for the faith, we've come to the part of breaking down the fundamentals of that faith that we must be willing to stand for, to fight for, to die for if necessary. And today is the third part in what we are looking at as far as true saving faith. And of course, the passage before us that we are going to read was part of the message of the Lord Jesus Christ in what we call the Sermon on the Mount most of the time in our, in our Bibles. And, uh, and Jesus is telling a very telling story here, and he is trying to get it across with absolute certainty and clarity uh, that uh, there could be absolutely no doubt whatsoever uh, that when it comes to saving faith, there is a true saving faith, but there is also something that is artificial, something that is false, something that might be a faith, but it's not a faith that would save the soul for eternity. I invite you to, uh, to read with us as we read from God's Word from Matthew chapter 7. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word, beginning there in verse 13. Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs or thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him into a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock." Every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not 
shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. It came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, where he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Let us pray. Father, what a wonderful and glorious privilege that we have. Lord, to be able to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ in this your house, this place that has been set aside, Lord, to worship you and to work for you. Father, we thank you so much because the greatest privilege of all is that privilege of being able to be called your child. Thank you, Lord, for the confidence that we can have as we gather ourselves together here today. Thank you, Lord, that as we come together in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ himself, thank you, Lord, that as we pray in his name, as we come before thy throne, Father, in him and through him only, Lord, we can have a confidence that through our frailties, through our sinfulness, through our weaknesses, Lord, that in it all he is sufficient. It is in him alone that we have our salvation. It is in him alone that we can come to you in prayer. It is in him alone that we can ask anything, Father, and know that you will hear and answer our prayers. Now, as we come today at this time, we especially thank you for your word that we have before us that we have read. For your spirit that lives within, we pray that by the power of that spirit now that you would speak to our hearts through your word. You know each and every individual, and you know every heart here today. You know every need that is present in this place. Father, whatever that need might be, whether it be for salvation, whether it be for restoration for one that is straight away, whether it be, Lord, for a building up and encouraging, a challenging. Father, you know each one. We just pray that you would meet that as only you can, and Lord, that you would receive all the glory and all the honor for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, in our first two parts of this message on true saving faith, we said, you know, that it's interesting as we begin here, notice that Jesus Christ himself was preaching and teaching these truths. And he goes to great lengths here to show us that of all these people that think that they're on the right path to an eternity with him in heaven one day, that out of all those that think that that's where they're going, that there are, he calls them, a few. We saw last week the word that we get our word micron from. In comparison to the whole, it is very few that are on the right path, though everybody thinks that they're going. And, you know, when Jesus finished teaching this himself, the Bible tells us there in verse 28 that when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. They were taken back. They were astonished at what it was that he was teaching to them, the teachings that he was given to them that day. We find that the Bible said he taught as one having authority. Why? Because he does have all authority. And today, as we look at these truths, may I say to you, 
once again, be reminded, based upon not what Pastor Larry Curtis says, not what Bethel Free Baptist Church says, not what any religious organization or, or denomination or anything else says, but I'm challenging you based solely upon the Word of God, what Jesus Christ himself said, that there are many, many today that are claiming to be his children, that think that they're on this road to an eternity with him in heaven, there are many that are out there that are doing many, many religious things. And we've gone through, and I won't go there again, we went through a whole list of possibilities of people and what they can know and what they can do and what they can be part of and what they can experience and what they can do and all of these things thinking that they're saved when all the time they're not. I remind you also once again this morning that it is not my purpose and would never be my purpose to make any true child of God ever doubt what they've got in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm not ashamed to say this morning that if there are any doubts, then there is absolute certainty that you need to deal with those doubts and you need to know for sure, you need to know for certain that you're saved and on your way to heaven. And of course, when we looked at the whole thoughts on biblical salvation, we have already seen that biblical salvation, it is a sound salvation. It is a salvation that is based solely, totally, completely upon the word of God and that alone. It is a sure salvation. It's not something that we have to measure up and weigh up and mount up and even as we get here and we will be looking in just a few moments and what Jesus says about being doers and not only hearers, biblical salvation is totally a work of God based solely, totally upon the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only by grace that we're saved, and it's only through faith. That is the only pathway to get to that grace. But it is sure, it is certain, and it is secure, we saw. If you're truly, genuinely a child of God, then you can be absolutely secure in that salvation that's in Jesus Christ and him alone. But as we move from that and we move to this, well, what is true saving faith? We saw here that Jesus used comparisons all through this teaching of these two. We first looked at two gates. One of them was a straight gate. This is the one that Jesus absolutely commanded us, enter ye in at the straight gate. We saw as we looked at that gate, that that is the only way. There are two entrances. Now, remember, everybody thinks they're going to the same place, but there's two entrances. There's the straight one, and there's the broad one. The straight one, Jesus said, is where you must enter. 
That's the only way. There is no other entrance. You must enter. You alone. Nobody else can do it for you. You've got to go through that gate. And it's a straight gate. We find another place he uses this word striving, which is what this word straight carries with it, the idea that it carries with it. In other words, it's going to take repentance, folks. It's going to take letting go of some things. It's going to take leaving some things behind. It's going to come with difficulty when all that you've known in your whole life is sin. And you better believe that Satan and the powers of hell will do everything that they can to keep you from finding that one true gate that will lead you to salvation, to true salvation. But you've got to enter. You've got to do it. You've got to do it alone. And there's going to be some striving. You've got to come naked. You can't bring your luggage. You can't bring anything with you. You've got to come in by yourself, all alone, bringing nothing in total submission to the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. The broad gate, the wide gate. That wide gate is one that is easier to find. There are very few restrictions. We saw that beyond those gates there are two ways. One is a very narrow way and one is a broad way. The broad way, there's all kinds of room. There's few restrictions. You got all a man's philosophy and educations and all of the things that he has out there. You've got the narrow way, just restricted, constricted. We said it's not a, a narrow slit like some have tried to make it to where nobody can get in. He wants you to get in. We find that we must enter that narrow way. We've got two gates, and beyond that, two different ways. Beyond that wide gate, there's a broad way. Beyond that straight gate, there's a narrow way. Then we saw that these two gates, as they're entered in the two ways, that there's two destinations. People think they're all going the same place. But he says that there's actually two destinations. It's only those that come in by the straight gate and the narrow way that's going to lead to life. But those that enter that wide gate with the broad way, with all of religion and philosophy and everything else on its way, he says they think they're going to heaven, but in fact it leads to destruction. It leads to destruction. We find that as we looked there, we saw that he says, here are the gates, here are the ways, there are the destinations. There's lots of people on both of them. Now, on the one, on that straight gate, that narrow way, he said there's only a few. That's where we said we get that word micron. He meant a small amount, only a few. We look back and we saw how that, again, God's always had his few. We look back at when he, when he sent Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go preach to these people. <laughs> they're not going to want to hear what you got to say. <laughs> and, you know, for the most part, they're not even going to respond to it. <laughs> You're going to preach. They're not going to want to listen, and they're not going to do anything about it. <laughs> it's going to seem like an absolute, total waste of time. But he says, I'll have my remnant. I'll have my few. And you see, we find that, again, today, the Lord is 
showing us that there's only a few, only a few that are on this path that leads to life. There are many. Matter of fact, most of the religious world, most of them that even call themselves Christians are on that road. We don't say that pridefully today. We don't say that boastfully. We don't say that because that we are anything. We are nothing. We say that because Jesus is very clearly wanting to get this across. There is true saving faith. But boy, most people think what they've got is saving faith. Isn't saving faith at all. And that's where most of religion and Christendom is at today. Now we want to move on. That was what we found in verses 13 and 14. Notice he gives us a strong warning in verse 15 when he says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. And we've touched on things like this. As a matter of fact, in our whole series, which this is, I think, the 65th sermon in, on contending for the faith. That's what we saw in the book of Jude, that there are those that have slipped in, snuck in, unawares by the side door. We find that throughout the scriptures, we are warned that there are false teachers, false prophets, those out there, he says here, which, well, they seem like a sheep, like a good thing, like a gentle thing, but in fact, under that Sheep's clothing, they're ravening wolves. They'll destroy you. So many times, well, preacher, how can I know the difference? Everybody says they're right. Everybody says we've got the truth. Everybody says our truth is based on the Bible and the Bible alone. Now, they've got all kinds of tags and names and descriptions that they call themselves, but they all say that they're the ones that are right. How can we know? Well, you can't stand before God one day and say, I know that I'm right because Pastor Larry Curtis said it, and I know that makes it right. <laughs> I'll never tell you something wrong on purpose, but that's not going to cut it with God. You see, the book's going to be opened one day, and you'll be judged. Why do we encourage you to bring your Bibles, to open your Bibles? I have some that ask why that we don't, like a lot of churches today, put it all up on the screen as we're reading the verses and everything. Because I want people to be able to go to their Bible and read it in their Bible and find it in their Bible and know that it's in their Bible. I can tell you that that's the Word of God. I want you to know that that's what you've got. And I've always said, if you can challenge me on something that I've said based upon the word of God, I am all ears. I'm not so naive to think that I have every answer in the world and that I have it all perfectly understood. Today, I'm saying as we look at what Jesus Christ says, one day when you stand before how will you know the difference He's saying there's going to be all these false prophets. There's only one way. That's God's word. You've got to know it. The only way you can detect the counterfeit is to know the real. 
You've heard me tell you before that when they train these bank tellers to be able to, to count money and to detect the counterfeit money, they don't give them a whole bunch of counterfeit money to count so that they can recognize it when they find it one day. They give them the real thing. They get so used to the real that when something comes through their fingers that's not real, it doesn't feel right <laughs> because they know the genuine. They know what the genuine... You see, I could spend all my time telling you all these false things that all these false prophets are teaching out there, and, and sometimes we have to touch on some things because sometimes it begins to affect and attack our sheep, our congregation, our people, and those warnings have to be clear. And there's a bunch of it going on even now as we sit here this morning. But my focus has got to be the truth, the genuine. We want to know what true saving faith is. If we know what true saving faith is, then we'll know that there's something not right about those others. There's going to be plenty of people that are teaching and preaching, and doing all that they're doing in the name of the Lord. All I can say is be careful. Be close enough to God. Be in his word. It's not going to strengthen you. It's not going to help you if it goes home and it lays on the shelf until you come back to church next time. You've got to be grounded in the word. You've got to be able to recognize the false when it comes along. We find that he keeps with his comparison, okay, here's all these false teachers and prophets. He tells us in verse 16, he says, ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. So he gives us another two comparisons here. He says that there's, there's two different kinds of trees out there. Now those trees represent people. Some of those, he says, are these false prophets. They've got the false truth. How are you going to know them? He says, well, there's two different kinds. There's not a half a dozen. <laughs> You only have to know there's two different kinds, the true and the false. There's not different degrees of false. There's not being a little bit wrong or a whole lot wrong. There's the truth and there's the false. And he says of these two trees, they represent these people, these, these prophets, these ministers, these teachers. As a matter of fact, we can turn and we can find in John chapter 15, when he talks about the vine and the branches, every one of us are either a true tree or a false tree. He says there's the good and there's the corrupt. There's no other tree to worry about. <laughs> there's two of them. There's that which is good. And the good here is not talking about good in man's sight. He's talking about genuine good as in God's sight versus corrupt. How much does it take to corrupt something? A little leaven leaveneth the whole bunch. Most of us talk about it only takes one bad apple to spoil the whole bunch. The truth is, it doesn't take a lot. I can remember one time when I was working with my youngest brother. 
and we were working on a, on a, on a building site, and he reached down in to, to grab a, a block where at that time we were, we were actually building a, 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 a block wall. And as he reached in there, he felt something, and he looked in, and he had a little sting on his finger, and it was a spider. Well, he just went on and carried on and didn't think anything. I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 minutes later, we took a lunch break. We went. We got a bite of lunch, and he started looking funny. <laughs> just didn't see himself. And as we were driving back to the work site, he began to literally double over in, in, in the seat with cramps. And I didn't know what was going on, so I rushed him to the A&E. We got there. And what it was is that little tiny black spider happened to be a black widow spider. And that black widow spider, that was a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of poison. Matter of fact, they said it's one of the most potent poisons in the world because it takes such a tiny amount of it when you look at what he puts into that big body of yours. And I saw that little tiny, tiny amount of poison begin to affect and and and. Many of you met my brother when he was here for, for Tyler's wedding. My youngest brother, he's, you know, he's well over six feet tall. He's a, he's a pretty big guy. And I saw him literally, literally trying to rip the rails off of that hospital bed. I saw them have to strap him down because that little tiny bit of poison that went into his system, his muscles and his nerves, they started constricting and tightening up. You could see them bulging through his body and, and the pain was horrific. Just a tiny amount of poison. The truth is, is that so many times we try to rationalize these things. Well, that's not too bad because it's mostly right anyway. Can I just, listen, you're going to make your own choices in these things. I'm saying Jesus is saying here that there's the false prophets, the false teaching, the false truths that are out there. And he says, how are you going to know them? Well, you're going to know them because there's two different kinds of trees. One is good and one is corrupt. You see, the good one is the truth. It's not been tainted by the wrong. It's the good one. It's the one that's genuine. The other one, it's corrupt. It may be a little corruption or a whole lot of corruption, but he says, you've got these two trees now, how in the world can you tell the difference when you look at them? Well, sometimes it's really, really, really difficult. Most of you today probably, whether it be on the television set or the cinemas or the plays <laughs> or in real life, well, there's some good actors in this world. <laughs> People can pretend to be something that is so totally, completely different from what they are. You think they're one thing. Matter of fact, sometimes you'd be, able, you'd be willing to stake your life on the fact that you know them that well. And yet it's all an act. It's all a fake. You look. You know, it's not easy sometimes when we look to say, well, what's a good tree and what's a bad tree? Jesus tells us another parable in another place, and for the sake of time, we won't turn there because you know the story anyway, I'm sure. He gives the story about the wheat and the tare. And of course, the wheat is the good, and the tare is the false. 
The wheat is planted by the good seed. And it comes up to a genuine product. And when that product is grown, guess what? Your body can take and you can use it and it brings life to you. But there's the tear. I think it was the Darnell, which is one of the most poisonous in, in, in Israel. There's several different types of tear. The thing is, is it grows. And it looks so much like the real that you can't tell the difference by looking at it hardly. And, of course, the question rises, well, shall we go out there and try to separate it? Jesus said, no, you better leave that to me. Because if you start trying to pull out the tares, you're inevitably going to get some of the good as well. It's hard to tell. But he says that there will come a telling day at the harvest. It's only at the harvest when that can take place. Well, that's kind of what he's showing us here. There's these two trees. One's good, one's corrupt. But just as there's two trees, there's two different fruits. You know, the trees bear the fruit. He asks us a very simple, straightforward question here. You know, do men gather grapes of thorns? I don't know if you've ever gathered grapes, but I can promise you you're not going to find grapes amongst the thorns. <laughs> You're going to find them on grapevines. Grapevines are going to grow grapes. He said, are you going to find figs on the thistles? Nope. I mean, I've grown up. I've had grapevines and, and fig trees both in, in my own garden before. And I can promise you that you're not going to find the figs amongst the thistles. You're not going to find the grapes amongst the thorns. He's saying, look at the fruit. The fruit's going to tell you. Every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, and a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. We know that sometimes we will find it very difficult. And sometimes you've just got to leave the tree to bring forth its own fruit. But he says, be careful. Be careful. Because there's two trees and there's two fruits. Notice what else he gives you here. He says, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. There is nothing else for it. Remember, straight gate, wide gate. Narrow way, broad way. Life destruction. He says that, you know, along that way, you're going to find that there's going to be a few people traveling on one and a lot on the other. Because there's going to be people that are teaching wrong. You're going to find two trees, the good and the bad, the good and the corrupt, the two fruits that'll tell you the difference and what they are in the end. There is nothing else for the corrupt, for the bad, except destruction. The trees, all those people that are on that broad path, the only thing that lies before them is the destruction, to be hewn down and cast into the fire. That's not what Jesus wants. That's why he's trying to be so clear, to make it absolutely clear. 
You don't want to be on that way. That's where that way is going. That's where it's leading. I want you over here. He didn't say to go that broad way that leads to destruction where they're all going to be hewn down and where there's many cast into the fire. He said, enter you at the straight gate on the narrow way. That's where I want you at. He says, notice, he says, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Verse 21 not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You see, there's two professions here. All these people, all these people are saying, Lord, Lord. But everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, is not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven just because they're on this broad path that they think that they're going to heaven and that they're doing these good things and these religious things. In fact, he says that both might be professing Christ to be Lord, but he says there's a big difference. For one, it's just in words only. For the other one, it's in their life. He says one is just sayers. It's just words, and that's as far as it goes. But the others are doers. Now, he is not in any way, study it out, look at it. He's not saying that you've got to work your way into heaven, that you've got to work your way up this narrow way. He's saying that those that have entered at the straight gate, <clears throat> those that are on that narrow way, that leads to life, those that are typified by the good tree that's bringing forth good fruit. He says they're not just talking with their mouth. They're living it. They're doing it. They've put action to all of those words. That's not what got them there. They entered at the gate by Jesus Christ and by him alone. Now that they're on that way, though, they are doers of the word of God. It's natural. That's what they're living. You're going to see it. That's part of the fruit. <laughs> You'll see Christ in their lives. Now remember, a lot of people are saying, Lord, Lord. But he says there's two different professions there. I mean, you got to look at this. How many of you could go, he says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? We've talked about all the different meanings of prophecy before. Have we not been a spokesman for you, God? <laughs> Have we not taught forth your truths? And in thy name have cast out devils? How many of you have cast demons out of people before? <laughs> That's a pretty lofty thing to do, isn't it? These are able to stand before God. Say, Lord, look at what we've done. I mean, we have taught in your name. We have cast devils, cast demons out of people. And in thy name did many wonderful works, many miraculous works, many things that are beyond the normal. Lord, look at us. Look at what we've said. Look at these demons that we've cast out. 
Look at these wondrous things that we've accomplished all in your name. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, lawlessness. I never knew you. Now, again, we've talked about that word a number of times. He's not saying I never knew you existed. <laughs> I never knew that you were there. He's saying I never knew you. We never had a relationship. You were never my child. You see, the word that's translated new is to know more than just knowing about. It's to know in a relationship. You see, the Bible teaches us that when he could compare with all these different relationships, he teaches that we're the bride of Christ. <laughs> He teaches this relationship of oneness with Christ. Do you know that's the same word that he used back in Genesis when he talked about Adam knew Eve and they brought forth a child. You see, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I never knew you. We never had a relationship. You were never my child. This is to know somebody in intimacy, not to just know who somebody is and exist. God knows everybody that exists. But he's saying to these that are getting up there and saying, look what we have prophesied and taught in your name and look at these demons that we've cast out and look at all these wonderful, miraculous works that we've done. We've looked at many of these things. We went through, how many? I've forgotten. It must have been 20-some sermons in this series on the Holy Spirit. God is God. Nothing is impossible with God. But God's not running a three-ring circus either. He's not putting on a show for your entertainment. There is nothing that is beyond God. God can do anything that he wants to do. He'll do it for his purpose, for his glory. Not just so you can have a laugh. <laughs> just so that you can... Clap your hands because he's put on a good show. You see, there is nothing in your life, no problem that's too big for him. There is no sickness that can overcome you that he can't touch and heal if he chooses to for his purpose and for his will. He is able and he can, and I've seen him do it, yes. But don't be fooled. You know, we find that when the nation of Israel being held captive, they're in Egypt. Well, those magicians were doing all kinds of miraculous things before their eyes. When God would do things, oh, our magicians can do that. <laughs> Just because people can do things that you don't understand that are beyond explanation, and even if they're doing it in the Lord's name, I didn't say this. You know, the simple truth is a lot of times we go to the other extreme too. We try to put some God in some kind of a, a neat little box that everything fits just the way that we think it should and, and, and that we want it to be and that we're, we're comfortable with. God can do what he wants. And God can do things that we can't even begin to think and imagine. 
And I thank God that, you know, I know that in my life, that no matter what comes along, no matter what gets in the way, nothing is too big for my God. And he is always there with me. And yes, he is able to do that, which is totally, completely beyond the explanation of man. But I'm saying Jesus is giving us a warning. Just because somebody gets up and puts on a show in the name of Jesus doesn't mean that they have a relationship with that Jesus. Doesn't mean that they're his child. Doesn't mean that they're his bride. It doesn't mean that they're on the right path because he's talking about those that are on the broad path. Two professions. He goes on and he tells us in verses 24 to 27, he said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I'm going to leave it there for this morning. God willing, next week we'll come back and we will look at these two builders and the two foundations, and then we're going to move on, God willing, to another portion of Scripture. And with all this comparison that the Lord is giving us, the Lord is saying, listen, understand, be careful, beware. There's two different ways out there. There's only two. There's only the two. People either are on the right path to get to heaven or they're on the wrong path. They've either entered at the straight gate or the wide gate. They're on the narrow way or the broad way. The truth is, is that there are only a few that have found the right one. Many are on this other one over here. And they're doing all kinds of things in the name of the Lord. They're professing all kinds of things. But in the end, it leads to destruction. There's a right a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is just what he's pointing to here, that destruction. That's not the path that we want to be on. That's not the path we want our family and our friends to be on. We need to know the truth. Jesus is saying, beware, because look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this, and he's giving us all these comparisons. We need to be aware. We need to understand. We need to recognize and know what is it that makes a difference that we can know that we've entered at the straight gate, that we're on the narrow way that leads to life. That's where Jesus has told us to enter. That's where Jesus wants you to enter. And if you've entered there, then you know what's going to lie at the end of that. But if you're on that broad way, with all this falseness that goes with it, then the simple truth is there's only destruction at the end. We're going to sing for our closing hymn this morning, I Am Coming, Lord. You know, I've said before, and I'll mention it again before we come to an end, Jesus is the one that said enter. That's what he wants for all of us. 
You know, I look back. I thank God. I thank God that I can look back and I can know with absolute certainty in my heart, I know there was a day when I entered in at that straight gate and put myself on that narrow way. Thank God. And I know that based upon the truth, which is what we want to realize and understand. There's only one truth. There's only one way. We're not trying to keep people out. We're trying to show people the way. We're not trying to put more people on that broad way that's leading to destruction. We want to get some of them off of that road and in at the straight gate and onto that narrow way that leads to life. We're not happy that so many people are being deceived by the false prophets. But there's only God's truth. We need to know and understand and be sure that we can point people to the right way. We can praise God and thank God that we know in our hearts that that's the road that we're on. Jesus said to each and every one of us, enter ye at the straight gate. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. Jesus is saying that to you just as surely today. If you're here, and you don't know that you've entered, then as we sing this closing hymn, I think of, pick three verses of it, I am coming, Lord. Jesus said, enter. Jesus says, come unto me. Simple truth is, today, you're the one that says, I'm coming, Lord. I am coming, Lord. I want to enter in at that straight gate. I want to be on the narrow way. And I want to make sure that everybody that I know that I come in contact with, that I can point them to the right place to get in, the right road to be on. And if you're here today and you don't know that you've entered that gate, then I encourage you. You can know. You can know, and you can know it today. And I'm not ashamed. Jesus said, enter. I'm saying, enter today, right now. But only you can do that. Father, we thank you today for this time that you've given us together. Lord, as we look into your word, this is, a, this is an awesome picture that you're painting before us here. It's a hard picture. Lord, you said that even when you taught it here upon this earth, that the people were astonished at what you were teaching at this doctrine. Lord, it's certainly astonishing today as we look around us and we realize, Lord, that so many in this world today, Lord, that have entered this gate thinking that they're on their way to an eternity with you. Lord, they've entered this wide gate that's taken them onto this broad path that in the end only leads to destruction. Father, I pray that, Lord, you would help us to know with certainty in our hearts that we've entered at the straight gate. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to understand the awesomeness of what you're teaching here and to realize the great responsibility that we have in being able to take your word and to show them the straight gate, the door, Jesus Christ himself. 
For it's in his name we pray. Amen. <music>